Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. How tomorrow is going to look like is a function of what we do today. And the answer to that question will be determined by how we prepare today. Okay? The reason is because what happened in the new year is determined by what you do right now. What happens in the future is a function of what today, what you do today. I used to joke about it. I said yesterday was, you know, today was yesterday's future. And tomorrow is going to be what? It's going to be the future that you are talking about today. And what you do today, what you do today affects that particular future. Okay? So readiness to act is a function of preparation. To be able to take advantage of the opportunities that is presented before you. To be able to step into a place of power. To be able to step into a place of advantage is a function of how prepared you are. To be able to take up, take up the advantage when it is presented unto you. Okay? You don't learn how to use a computer the day you start working. The day you leave, if that is your strategy, there is a strong probability that you might not be able to get a very good job. But when you are already good at using a computer, when you step, when you present yourself for employment, you stand a better chance of getting a very good job. The point you are making is that you take advantage of the opportunities that bring them. You are able to take advantage of the opportunities that is presented before you when you are well prepared. There is a particular adage in the neck of the wood where I come from. They said, if you cook in a very small crucible and you begin to and you begin to make uh, you begin to present desserts in a very very small com- uh, cups, he said the people that will be filled will be filled. That is a, that is the closest translation I can give to that word. If I say it in the exact word, some of us who understand my language will know what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that it is not the amount, it is not who is sitting in power, it's not who is what is going on in the economy. The question is how prepared, how positioned are you? How positioned are you to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are out there? During the fall, during the crash in 08 or 07, what we find is that there are so many people that lost their fortunes. Well, there was also some other people that made a lot of fortune. It's a question of positioning. It's a question of preparation. When you're stepping into the new year, how are we going to prepare ourselves? And that is what we want to talk about this morning. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us that it came to pass. When the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest around about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of Cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, verse number 8 now, Say unto my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, 
to be ruler over my people, over Israel. Verse number 12 now. And when, the, and when thy day be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up the seed, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowel, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, verse number 13. He shall build a house, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. In other words, David woke up one morning, looked at where he was dwelling. He found out that that was a very beautiful place for him to be. He was happy about what, where, you know, his house. He was living in those very, very nice places, probably in Brentwood somewhere. Nice way in the governor's, uh, in the, that particular governor's area. That was where he was living. He looked at it. He could see the golf course from that particular place when he's standing in Jerusalem. And he said, how? If I live here, why would the temple of the Almighty God be somewhere else? Why would the temple of the Almighty God be in a curtain? So I want to build a house for God. I want to build a cathedral. I want it to have this particular uh, that uh, thing that we have in the moment tabernacle what do you call that in that uh, pipe organ built into the wall so that as soon as you step on the floor music will be blowing the guy really wanted to build something for the almighty god but what happened was that when he called the prophet the prophet said hey you want to build for the lord that is fine go ahead and build it but the bible said but the lord god almighty spoke to the prophet and said no way david is not going to build the reason why david will build is a different story but the lord is saying david you are not going to build for me i am good i have already determined that your son is going to be the one that will build the temple for me the question that happened that when the, the thing that is interesting there is not that whether his son was the one that was going to build with the real interesting part of the whole story is this what david did when david got that message the Bible told us in First Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 29. In First Chronicles 29, reading from verse number 2. The Bible tells us there that now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold for the things of that to be made of gold. Silver for the things of silver. And brass for the things of brass. Iron for the things of iron. Wood for the things of wood. Onyx stones and stones to be set. Glittering stones and and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. Verse number three. Moreover, because I have set my affections to the house of my God, I have made my own I have made my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. In other words, David, when he heard the information, I am not going to be the one to build this house. He now decided to say, okay, instead of not having a pity party, instead of sitting back and saying, God, you have rejected me. This is an insult. I fought a lot of war for you. I've won a lot of battle for you. I've actually built this place and I'm calling it your name. Why won't you, why won't you allow me to build it? David did not go that direction. What David did was that David said, okay, you have not allowed, you have not commissioned me to do it and I will not do it because if you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. But the person who is going to do this thing, the person who is going to build this temple for you, I will make sure I prepare for that person. I will make sure I give that person enough resources, prepare for that person so that when they start the building project, they will not lack anything. That was the mindset of David. And that corresponds with what Solomon eventually said later in the book of in the book of Proverbs chapter 13, reading from verse number 22. The Bible says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. 
It is normal for you to leave something for your children when you die. Probably your old coat or your old shoes or your old shirt. Maybe they might not even wear it because they'll be out of uh, fashion by then. But notwithstanding, you leave something for them. But the idea is, I say, it's not a good man not only leaves something for his own children, but it's for his own children's children. In other words, they build an enduring legacy. That is what David did. He left something. He prepared for his own children. He prepared for Solomon that will build the temple. But that is one part of the story. The second part of the story that I want to share with you this morning is from the book of 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings 20, reading from verse number 12. The Bible tells us of another individual who also received a word from the Almighty God, but his reaction was completely different. 2 Kings chapter 20, reading from verse number 12. The Bible says, at the time of ba- the guy, the son of Babylon, son of ba- <laughs> king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Look at verse number 14. Then Isaiah came Isaiah the prophet unto the king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said this man? And from whence come they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thy house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that that I have not showed them. And and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the day cometh, that all that is in the house in thy house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried unto Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said the Lord, and as and, and of thy sons the day that uh, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou be which thou shalt be God, they will they shall shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the play in the palace of the king of Babylon. And then this is the saddest commentary in scripture. Look at verse number 19. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my day? In other words, you have just been told that all the money that you are putting in an investment bank, all your stocks in the Bank of America, all your stock in Wells Fargo, if you still have stock in Wells Fargo, all your stocks in Wells Fargo, and the one in Apple Computer, and all the other nice space, the one in Facebook, that one day, somebody's going to come and take everything away. And your response is, when I'm alive, nobody's going to take it. Say yes. That's fine. That is the most irresponsible response you can get from anybody. And this is what Hezekiah did. Hezekiah received the word of the Almighty God. He was told what was going to happen to his children. Instead of him to prepare, to see how we can avert that particular situation, he said, as long as I'm fine, as long as everything is okay with me, they can fend for themselves. They can take care of themselves when the situation arises. Now, if you compare that particular response to the response of David, David heard, you can't build the temple. Your son is going to do it. In other words, there is a responsibility I'm giving to your children. And David prepared to make sure that the responsibility of his children is better. That they are are able to carry out the work of the Lord upon their life easily. Here is another man who received another word. This is what is going to happen to your children. And the guy said, well, as long as it doesn't happen to me, good luck for them. Mm. That is the height of irresponsibility. 
And that is what you find in the house of God today. If it's the food that you are going to eat today, the work that you are doing is enough. If it's the clothes that you are going to wear right now, many of us are comfortable. But whatever we are doing right now is not because of what we want to eat. It's because of what we want to pass on to our children and our children's children. To give them an advantage that we never had. To put them in a position that will put them in a place where they are able to start in a better level. That is what this preparation is all about. And here you see two kings who got a word from the Lord. But their response were completely different. And Christians either behave like David or they behave like Hezekiah when it comes to preparation. Christians either behave in one of these ways. We are either preparing or we are sitting on our hands. And, it's, uh, and as long as we are saying, I am fine and it's okay. The problem is that we are living a life that is not a life of responsibility towards our children and our children's children. The question then is, how are we to prepare for tomorrow? How do you prepare for tomorrow? How do you prepare for tomorrow? Look at the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. We're reading from verse 1 through to verse number 12. Matthew 25, reading from verse 1. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the ten virgins, who took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamb and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil and their vessels with them, and, and uh, in their vessels with their lamb. Verse number 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry, a cry was made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamb. And the foolish said unto the wives, Give us of your oil for our lamb was gone out. Verse number 9. But the wives said, but the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but you go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Verse number 11. After what came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But they answered, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Even when you got the invitation, you are still not known. <laughs> Even when you were prepared and dressed and you came in there, you are still not known. Why? Because you were not prepared to take advantage of the opportunity when it presented itself. From this verse of scripture, you can see that the wise, there was a wise and there were foolish people. Both of them got the invitation to attend a wedding. Both of them were you. Both of them wanted to show up at the wedding. Both of them dressed up to go to the wedding. Both of them went. You know, both of them were part. They wanted to be part of the show. They were both prepared, but one was better prepared than the other. One group showed up for the party. One group just showed up for the party. The other one showed up prepared for the party. There's a difference. There's a difference when you just show up. And there's a difference when you show up prepared. Two different things. And one of the things you want, you want to see is that, and when we see the, and the, the difference we saw between the two of them is that you just don't show up if you want to take advantage of situation. You just don't show up. You show up prepared. Ask a student who wants to take an examination. If you just show up to the examination hall, there is a strong probability that you are not going to do well. But if you show up to the examination prepared, you are ready to be able to take that test. And when the test is presented before you, you are able to make an, you are able to make a, 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 a take advantage of the of the questions and do very well in that examination because you are prepared. The question is, how do you plan to enter into the next year? That's the one we're seeing. How do you plan to enter into the next five years? 
How do you plan to enter into the next 10 years? If the Lord tarries, how do you plan to enter into the next 20 years? That is the question you ask yourself. The Bible told us that the virgin showed up, but the otherwise virgin showed up prepared. But you must understand one thing. For you to show up prepared, for you to show up prepared, you must desire a what? You must desire a possible future from what you are seeing right now. In other words, you look at yourself and say, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. I am able to see that thing that is possible for me. Because there are people who don't believe that something good can happen to them. There are people who don't believe that they can attain it. There are people who believe that God answers prayer, but not their own prayer. There are people who believe that other people get a good job, but not them. There are people who believe that people, they will get, you know... Other people get into a good relationship, but not them. There are people who believe that other people, when they lay hands on their business, their business will prosper, but not them. The thing is that for you to show up prepared, you must have that particular mindset and the desire for a possible future. David understood. The desire of David was to build a temple for the Almighty God. And because he knew that that was a future, a future that was possible, because God has spoken about it, he started to make that preparation. Why is that necessary? The desire for a possible future determines the level of your preparation. If what you are interested in doing is nothing serious, is nothing that changes the life of anybody, is just something that is around you, you don't have to prepare very well. And that is why it takes years for you to grow an oak tree and then it takes just a couple of months to grow a tomato tree. I'm not saying tomatoes are not important, I'm only saying that they are different. The point you are making, it depends on the future that you are desiring. And that will determine your level of preparation. That's number one. The number two, the, your, your, your desire, you know, your desire determines your preparation. The question is, do you know what your goal for the next two months are? Do you know what your goal for the next five years look like? Do you know what your goal for the next ten years look like? If right now you fall, you take, a, you, you win a lottery... And then 10 million, 20 million, 100 million falls into your lap right now. Do you know what you are going to do with it? A lot of people win lottery. You have, you have taken the statistic. A lot of people who win the lottery, they go back into what? Into poverty. Why? The reason is because they have not developed the skills to manage money. They have not developed the skills to be able to manage good things. The point you are making is that the, you know, preparation for a better tomorrow requires, number one, a desire for a possible future. If you can't see it, you can't prepare for it. Do you understand what it takes to get to that place that you are dreaming about, that you are seeing in your vision? Because if you don't, if you are, if you don't understand what it takes, you cannot prepare for it. A student who dreams he wants to be a medical doctor but he doesn't understand what it takes, that you have to spend some time studying, you have to understand a little bit of mathematics beyond the one plus one. I remember a friend of mine who said, trouble came to mathematics the day X and Y came into mathematics. <laughs> so that is the day trouble started. When it was still 1 plus 1, everything was fine. But the day X, Y, Z came into mathematics, that's when trouble started. If you don't understand what it takes to get to that possible future, you might be like my friend. When X came into the situation, it becomes a problem. Okay? There was a particular student that was given a question. He put X, Y plus X, uh, uh, X squared plus Y squared is equal to 10. He said, find X. Ah, the guy said, teacher, can't you see? This is X now. He circled it in on paper. But that is another story for another day. <laughs> it's a story for another day. The point you are making is that you must understand what it takes. If you don't understand what it takes, you might not be able to get there. To clarify your vision, your, your, the clarity of your vision will determine the level of your preparation. When you wake up in the morning and you understand that this is what it takes to get to where I am going, then you will prepare. If you are not daydreaming though, 
But if you really are desiring to get to where you want to get to, the clarity of your vision will determine the level of your preparation. When you see where you are going very clearly, when you understand what it takes to get to where you are going, then it becomes very easy for you to prepare to get there. In other words, the clearer your vision, the better your preparation. The clearer your vision, the better your preparation. In other words, the more you know what it takes to get to where you need to get to, the better you are able to prepare to get there. The clearer you see what is possible, what your possible tomorrow looks like, the better you will be prepared for it. That is why the church is no longer talking about the rapture. Because the God no longer sees heaven. The church is no longer talking about holiness because they no longer see holiness anymore. People are no longer seeking for God because the vision of God has been taken away from people. The people no longer have the hunger for the things of God because the presence and the picture and the, pre- and, the, and, the and the image of God that has been created for us has now become so blurry, we no longer have an idea of who God is. Yeah. The clearer your vision, the better your preparation. The more you see God as a holy God, the more you prepare yourself to be able to meet him. The more you see that the reality of eternity, the more you live in the light of eternity. As long as you are happy with where you are, as long as you are satisfied with the things that you are enjoying, as long as you are the king of the jungle in your own little corner, you are going to be what? You will not be able to prepare for anything. Why would you study when you are the best person that gets everything? When you are not required to have an assignment in school for those who are going to public school? When there is no, there's no challenge. When there is nothing that pushes you. What is there? What is the incentive for you to move forward? There is none. But when you are dissatisfied, when you wake up in the morning and say, the people who live in that part of the country, or who live in that part of the city, they don't have two heads. They are not taller, they are not better. Some of them are not even as good looking as myself. So why are they living in those big houses and I'm living in this small house? The point we are making is that until you are dissatisfied with your current situation, nothing will change. You will not move into the new year prepared. The level of your dissatisfaction with your current situation will determine your level of what? Of preparation. The more dissatisfied you are. I don't know, many of us, I know, for some of us who came from, who came from Nigeria, when Nigeria, well, things were really very difficult. A lot of young men were preparing to get out of the country. And they were ready to do anything. They were ready to tell any kind of story. They were ready to produce any kind of document just to get out of the country. Because they saw there was this hunger. There was this desire. There was this, there was this, there was this thing in their mind. They were dissatisfied with their condition. And they wanted to go out. And when they came into you know, when some there are people who came into this particular country, they looked at the country and said, this is opportunity. This is things that are happening here. How do we take, over, take advantage of this opportunity? They began to apply themselves. They began to do things. And then somebody sat down and says, it's the white man. It's the white man that said that you will not move forward. And as long as you continue to make that excuses, you are not going anywhere. You are not going to go anywhere. It's not a cause. It's just a statement of fact. The point we are making is this. Unless you are dissatisfied with your condition. Unless you are dissatisfied, you say, Lord, things must be better. It's just like when you are in your Christian life. You wake up in the morning, you want to pray. And you pray, Jesus. And you do that in three minutes. If you are praying, and you are happy in that kind of condition, you will never be able to pray. But if you wake up in the morning, and you are praying five minutes, and you are doing like this, I said, no way. And that is why, for those who know how I pray, I don't stand in one place. I walk up and down, because I don't want to sleep. Yeah. I tell people, the devil in America is a very civilized one. We are suit, everything is fine. The devil where I come from will mess you up badly. It will mess you up badly. Oh, ask any African, they will tell you what the devil looks like. It will mess you up so badly you have no option than to pray. So the point we are making is that the level of your dissatisfaction with your current situation will determine the level of your preparation. 
Because when you are not happy, when you look at the situation, the Bible told in the book of in the book of First Samuel, when Anna was dissatisfied with her condition, Anna wanted a child so badly. Anna said, "Lord Almighty, unless you bless me, I'm not going to. I'm not leaving this place." And then she started praying. And as she was praying, the Bible says she was weeping. Her mouth was moving, but words were not coming out. The same thing happened to Jacob. Jacob said, "I'm tired of serving in servitude. I'm tired of living in servitude. I am going to. I want to be free." And the Bible said, "In what as a, a jabok, he sent all his family away, and now." Hold them to the Almighty God. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That is the level of dissatisfaction that makes things happen in our lives. It's one thing for you to desire it. It's another thing for you to see it. It's another thing for you to be dissatisfied. But if you are not willing to do anything about it, it will not happen. You have heard me say here several times. One, a million times zero is always what? Zero. My friend that has X in mathematics even understand that one. That a million times zero is always zero. The reason is because if you do not move, God will not move. If you do not do anything, God will not do anything. The Bible tells in the book of Joshua chapter 1. It says, everywhere the sole of your feet shall tread upon. It says, there I have given unto you. In other words, if the sole of your feet does not tread upon anything, you are getting nothing. The Bible says, whatever you lay your hands upon to do will prosper. If you do not lay your hands upon anything, he will not prosper. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given unto you. If you refuse to ask, you are not going to get anything. He says, seek and you will find. If you refuse to seek, you will not find nothing. He says, knock and it shall be opened unto you. If you refuse to knock because you think the door is fragile, it will fall. When you knock it, it will not be opened unto you. It's a very simple, it's a cause and effect relationship. You must be willing to pursue that possibility future I can get that advanced degree you must apply to that school I can start that particular business you must put that seed money down I want to be able to see a miracle in my life you must be willing to pray I want to see people I want to have into a good relationship you must be a nice person that people want to be around the whole thing starts with your willingness to pursue a possible future a willingness to pursue a possible future are we willing to pursue are we just willing to sit down and watch the whole world go by? Are we willing to pursue? Are we willing to continue to give excuse that it is because I'm this, it is because I'm that, it's because of my mother, it's because I never get enough hug, it is because of that. You can continue to give all the excuses in the world. It will not change the situation. It will not change the situation. You must be willing to get up and pursue that possible future. Are we willing to make consistent effort at acquiring the resources we need to make tomorrow a possible tomorrow for us? Are we just going to be wishing and hoping that someday materials will just fall upon our laps? I tell people, God has the power to break open the ceiling and pour money down. He can do it if he wants to. But normally that is not what he does. Okay? You have to apply yourself to do something for God to act on your behalf. In the neck of the wood where I come from, they used to say something about God. They said, God is the one that looks at you and looks at you and looks at you until you move. In other words, he just keeps looking at you. He just keeps looking at you until you move. If you don't move, he will never move. If you move, he will move with you. When the Lord God Almighty said, Moses, lift up your rod and the sea will part. If Moses refused to lift up his rod, he can complain about the Egyptians until it turns blue. Okay? He can complain about the walls that are separating him and everything. He can complain about the Red Sea. This is a very big river. There's a lot of fishes inside. There are crocodiles or whatever inside. He can complain until kingdom come. That river will not part. No. 
until he does what? Until he lifts up that particular rod and that thing opens. The point you are making is that God will not do your job for you and you certainly cannot do his job. That's right. You certainly cannot do his job. And that is what is called the divine human relationship, the partnership between man and God. God will do his own part, you will do your own part. He will not do your part for you, you cannot do his own part. But you must understand what you are supposed to do. When you do what you are supposed to do, then he will bless it. Then he will lay his hands upon it. Then he will move it forward. That is what is now beginning to see. That's when you begin to see the favor of the Almighty God. It's not because you are not doing anything. It's just because you are obeying and you are working with him. And then he begins to make your path straight. But you must do your own part. The extent of your pursuit is determined by the level of your preparation. How far you will go is a function of how well you are prepared. That is why when you see some people when they are running in the Olympics, some people run fast, some people run slow. Some people when they start, they start very fast. And then when they get to some point, they start falling down. It's the level of preparation. The extent of your pursuit is determined by the level of your preparation. If you prepare very well, then you can last a long time. I remember when I was starting up in ministry, one of the prophet, one of my one of my mentors used to say in those days, he said, if you are given 10 minutes to prepare, he said, make sure you have the materials for 30 minutes because you never know what happens. Somebody might not show up. And they might even extend they may extend your time and you might have to cover it. If you only prepare for 10 minutes and you show up for 10 minutes, what happens if they give you 30 minutes? You run out of steam and then you disgrace yourself. He said, But make sure anytime they give you any assignment, make sure you are over prepared so that when you are delivering your material. People will know that there's more from where that came from. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.